Hallelujah. Let's get right into the Word today. Is that okay? Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look starting at verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For the next few moments of time, I'm going to deliver a message to you simply entitled, Saved to Serve. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I'm saved to serve the Lord, to serve his kingdom. Come on, what a joy, what an honor it is that we can be ambassadors for the kingdom of God, that we can be co-laborers together for the advancement of his gospel and of his kingdom. Saved to serve. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. When you have that, say amen. And the word of the Lord says this. This is the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. He is encouraging them. He is admonishing them. He is instructing them, empowering them. And this is what he has to say in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How many is glad to be born again today by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ? He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. In other words, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your good deeds or your works of righteousness. How many knows the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags? We have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. How many knows that the only reason that we are born again, that we are washed in the blood, that we can say that we are saved, that we are sons and daughters of God, it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with the spotless Lamb of God. Can somebody tell me his name? Jesus, his sacrificial work, his sacrificial atonement. Paul went on, he said, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now let's look at this. For we are his workmanship. What does that mean? What he is in fact saying right here is that you are his masterpiece. Oh, my God, I want to help somebody today. Somebody, you, you've been beating yourself up because you done messed up again, because you done fell flat on your face again, because you done went back to the vomit just as the dog does. Maybe you're here and people have spoken things over you, your mother, your father, maybe other relatives or family members or co-workers, maybe even church folk. How many know sometimes church folk can be nasty? Uh-oh. Maybe they done spoke things over you that you're worthless, that you have no value, that you'll never amount to anything, that, there is, that you're a waste of oxygen and space upon this planet. But I come by to tell you that if you count yourself among the redeemed as I do today, that you are the masterpiece of God. Did you hear what I said? I said you are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. He had created you in his very image. And you are loved and you are valuable. Come on. You are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. We are his masterpiece. We've been created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For good works. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I've been created for good works. Come on. Before I met Jesus, I painted the town red. How many knows what I'm talking about? Before I met Jesus, I, you know, I, I, I served the devil. I didn't even realize I was serving the devil. I was creating hell everywhere I went before I met Jesus. But now that I've met Jesus, I have been created for such a time as this. I have been created to flip the script on the devil. I've been created for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, it kind of if you if you just take a glance at this scripture, our text scripture today, it kind of appears as an oxymoron, if you will, because it starts off by saying that you have been saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. It's not of your good works. But then he goes on and says, "You are a masterpiece in Christ Jesus." 
And you have been created for what? Good works. Can I tell you today that you are not saved by your works, but you are saved to work. So you didn't hear what I said today. I said you are not saved by your works, but if you are really born again today, how many knows you're going to work for the king and his kingdom? You're going to serve his kingdom. You're going to serve his church. Again, let me say to you today, you're not saved by your works, but if you are really saved, if you are really born again and washed in the blood, how many knows that you will work and you will do good works and good deeds for the glory of God you see you were created and you were called to do good works to serve the Lord to serve his kingdom to serve his church you in fact are saved to serve you see you were never saved to sit idle I'm going to say that again You are never saved to sit idle and to do nothing for the king and his kingdom. Do you think that our heavenly father gave his very best gift through his son Jesus Christ, sent him to this sin-cursed world, wrapped him in flesh and blood just like you and I, walked this earth for 33 years, misunderstood, persecuted, lied about, beat up by the religious system of that day, and they nailed him to the cross. And he suffered there in pain and agony and isolation, and he shed his very last ounce of blood. For the remission of our sins, that all we're going to do as a result of that is sit on our blessed assurance and wait until he returns again? Is that what we're called to do? You see, we are never saved to sit idle and to do nothing for the king and his kingdom. But you and I have been called to shine his lights to expand his kingdom and to serve him by serving others. How many knows that's what we've been called to do? We've been saved to serve. We're called to serve him by serving one another. You see, there are many in the church today. There are many in the kingdom today who are at a sense of ease. They're sitting back, and they're waiting on God to do something in their life, in the life of their family, their marriage, their children, their grandchildren, their business, their career, their ministry, their finances. We're just sitting back, and we've bought into the deception of the enemy where I'm just going to wait on the Lord, and I'm just going to wait on him to fix all of this mess. There's an old song out there that says, God, if God don't do it, it just won't get done. Let me tell you, that's a lie from the devil. Because my Bible says that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. We'd like to end it right there. He is a great big God. He's a magnificent God. He's an awesome God. But the scripture goes on in Ephesians. It says, according to the power that works within who? Within you. You see, our God has done everything that he's going to do. Did he not give his best, as I said a moment ago? Did he not give his everything that you could be redeemed, that you could be forgiven, that you could be empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit, but yet we're going to sit back as the church in his kingdom idle, waiting on him to do something? Let me tell you, he's already done it. He did it 2,000 years ago. Now he wants to do it in you, and he wants to do it through you because you've been created for good works. You've been saved to serve. We're not going to sit back idle waiting on our God to do something. We're going to take responsibility and we're going to do what he's already called us to do. 
See, a lot of you Pentecostal folk, I'm Pentecostal and I'm not ashamed of it. It's my DNA. It's, it's who I am. But a lot of us, we running from church to church to service to service and we want prophet so-and-so, prophet is so-and-so to call us out and to prophesy over us and to flatter, to flatter us. Because we're fulfilling the word that we got itching ears and if we're not careful, we're going to be deceived and we're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Let me tell you, I didn't come by to give you another word. I come by to let you know it's time for you to do what God's already told you to do. And I'm talking to some people today that the Spirit of God has already spoken to you time and time again and you have deliberately disobeyed Him. But yet you say, a man, a woman of God, speak over me. Tell me good things. Tell me how I'm the head and not the tail. Tell me how I'm blessed. Tell me how I'm favored. Let me tell you, if you don't get busy for the kingdom of God, God can remove his hand of blessing off of your life. Huh? I said, you have been created for good works. You have been saved to serve. We're not going to sit back one more moment. You say, well, he's coming back. Yeah, he is coming back. I believe he's coming back. I believe it could be this generation that sees the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, that does not mean we sit back idle waiting on the coming of the Lord. Because my Bible says if, uh, while we're waiting, we ought to occupy the earth. What does that mean? That means that we ought to be about the business of our Father. We're, about to, we're, we're to be about kingdom business. I'm not waiting until he comes back. There's still work to be done. There's still uh, lost loved ones that need to be reached. There's still people that have not ever heard the name of Jesus. But I'm going to sit back and wait on him. No, 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 no. You have been created for good works. You see, we were never called to sit and to sour. Can I tell you, if you leave something sitting long enough, how many knows it'll sour? It'll rot. And that's exactly what's wrong with a lot of us deadheads in the church today. Because we've been sitting idle for too long and we've refused to get active in the kingdom of God. And guess what? Our spirit as a result has become sour. It has become bitter. It has become dead within us. You see, we are called to occupy and to expand and to serve his kingdom. If you go to Israel, you will see two bodies of water there in Israel. One body of water is referred to as the Sea of Galilee. How many knows what I'm talking about? Then there's another body of water in Israel that is referred to as the Dead Sea. Two weeks ago, I preached on the subject of come alive. We got too many dead believers, too many dead churches, too many dead ministries. Come alive. I said, in Israel, there's two bodies of water. There's the Sea of Galilee, and then there is the Dead Sea. Do you realize that these two bodies of water, they have something in common? What do they have in common? Both of them are fed by the Jordan River. How many knew that? Both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea are both fed by the Jordan River. But why is the Dead Sea called the Dead Sea? Because it is so full of salt that nothing can live within it. How many knew that? That's why it's referred to as the Dead Sea. Because it is so full of salt that there is absolutely no life in it. It is dead. But on the contrary, the Sea of Galilee is alive. It is active. It is living but both of them are being fed by the same source of water, and that is the Jordan River. But why is one dead and one is alive? Because you see, the Dead Sea, it is receiving from the same source of water just as the Sea of Galilee is. But the difference is the Sea of Galilee not just has an inlet where it is being nourished, where it is being fed, but it also has an outlet. 
The Dead Sea has the same inlet that the Sea of Galilee has, but it has no outlet. What am I saying to you today? We have too many in the church today that are satisfied with sitting on a seat Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning receiving what thus saith the Lord in worship and in praise in the presence and the glory of God, but there is no outlets. Let me tell you, this is a hospital for the sinners. This is a feeling station where we come and get our batteries recharged. Thank God for it. This is a place where we come to be instructed, where we come to be equipped, where we come to be empowered. Thank God for it. But can I tell you, if you don't do something with the power that he has given to you, it will kill you. Oh, my God. Can I tell you the reason why you and I have been blessed? It is not for us to hoard up our blessings, but it is to be a blessing to the nations. I wish somebody would help me in this place today. The reason why you have been born again is so you can be a hand of extension to present Jesus to somebody else. The reason why you've been delivered from all of your mess and all of your baggage is not for you to get sent like a trophy on the pew of some church somewhere here in the USA, but it is for you to be a hand of deliverance to the nations. I'm telling you, what makes the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? They receive from the same source of water. But the difference is, is the Sea of Galilee has an outlet where it is reaching out, where it's uh, uh, reaching out and helping somebody. Can I tell you that's what we're called to do? Yes, we come in here, we get filled up to overflow. We come in here, we get charged up. But let me tell you, it's time for you to begin to be active in his kingdom. It's time for you to begin to roll up your sleeves and to begin to serve the Lord with gladness. Did you hear what I said? I said serve the Lord with gladness. Let me tell you, if you serving him, so-called serving him, and you don't have no gladness with it, it's time for you to sit down. Because let me tell you, there's nothing more miserable than to seeing somebody who says I'm a servant of the Lord but there's never no smile on their face they look miserable they look like somebody done stole their best piece of candy let me tell you something God is calling you not just to serve him but to serve him with gladness I don't know about you today but I'm glad to be here in the house of the Lord I'm glad to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ it's not a duty it's not a chore it's not just something that I have to do but it's something I get to do and there's nothing else I'd rather do I said we got to give out what is given to us if we don't it'll kill us look with me to Matthew chapter 25 Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 Jesus gave this parable how many knows Jesus was a storyteller Oftentimes he would give parables, stories that would cause you to understand, relate to, and understand kingdom principles. And so in Matthew chapter 25 verse 14, we see this parable, the parable of the talents. Somebody say talents. For the sake of time, we're not going to read. You'll find it in verses 14 all the way down to verse 30. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of that, but I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis of what Jesus is instructing to his disciples with this particular parable, the parable of the talents. You will find in here he refers to a particular character referred to as the master. The master, before he was depart from outside of his country, he gathered three of his servants, three men, and he distributed to these three servants, talents. Jesus went on. He said he gave the first servant five talents. Then he gave the second servant two talents. And then he gave the third and the final servant one talent. Now, what was the purpose of the master distributing, depositing these talents to these three individuals? You see, the master was expecting that 
these three men, these three servants were to do something with this deposit. They were to do something with these talents. These talents represent strengths. They represent skills. They represent abilities that God has given to his people. That's what these talents represent. They represent your skill sets. They represent your passion. They represent your God-given purpose. They represent the calling of God on your life. They represent the gift of God on your life. They represent the assignment and the anointing of God on your life. But notice that the first servant with five talents, the Bible says he took those five talents and he worked them. He worked them and he duplicated them. He multiplied them. And all of a sudden, he had ten talents. Does that know what the Bible says? He doubled them. Then the second servant, he took his two talents that had been given to him by the master and he worked those two talents. To the point that he doubled those two talents and now the servant had four talents. But then we come to the third and the final servant who had been given just one talent by his master. And what did this servant do with this one talent? The scriptures say that he dug a hole and that he threw that one talent into the hole and he covered it up. He hid it. And the Bible says that all of a sudden the master returned back to his homeland, back to his country. Can I tell you what? As I said a moment ago, the master's about to come back. You didn't hear what I said. I said the master 2,000 years ago after his death, burial, and resurrection, the Bible says he appeared on the mountain to his disciples and he said it is expedient that I go because if I don't go, the comforter, the Holy Spirit can come and he gave them an assignment. He said you're going to go into all the world and you're going to make disciples of every nation. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and you're not going by yourself. But I'm going to go with you through the Holy Spirit. He said, but before you go, you ought to go back to the city of Jerusalem and to get in the upper room and tarry there until you receive this promise from the Father. Is that not what he said? And then he ascended back to be at the right hand of the Father 2,000 years ago. But the Bible says that he gave gifts to men. When he ascended, gifts descended. Did you hear what I said? When he ascended, mantles descended. When he ascended, callings descended. When he ascended, uh, anointings descended. Do you think that the anointed one, the Messiah, when he ascended back to be at the right hand of the Father, that all of the anointing all of a sudden vanished off of the face of this earth? No, that's why he sent the Holy Spirit because he is the anointed one. And when you become a believer, a follower of Christ Jesus. Guess what? You now become the very temple of the Holy Ghost. And because I have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me, I have the anointing of Jesus Christ living on the inside of me. He gave gifts to the church. He gave callings and mantles and anointings and assignments to his people. Just as he relayed in this parable of the talents. So you see, when the master returned, how many knows that he held these three guys, these three servants, accountable? As to what they did with the talents, with the gifts that he gave them. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11 still says this. As each one, speaking to the church, the sons and the daughters of God, as each one has received what? A gift. Can I stop right there for a minute? I don't care who you are in this place. Every one of us have a God-given gift. Can I help somebody today? 
Can I teach somebody today? I said, I don't care who you are in this place. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care how much money or lack thereof that you have in your savings account. I don't care what side of the tracks you come from. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what people labeled you or said about you. Let me tell you, everybody in this place has a God-given gift, a God-given anointing, a God-given assignment, a God-given calling. How many but knows what I'm talking about how many believes what I'm talking about you say well pastor I done messed up I done backslid on God I come by with a word from heaven that says that our God is still married to the backslider that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance maybe you wandered away from God but can I tell you the gift is on the inside of you it might be laying there dormant it might be up on a shelf collecting dust somewhere but I believe there's about to be a second wind of the Holy Spirit released upon this earth that's going to blow the dust off that gift that's going to take that dormant calling and that's going to breathe the resurrection life back on it this is a time for you to stand up to arise to your feet and to say I'm not going to sit idle any longer I don't got time to dry up on the vine but now it's a time that I'm going to serve the Lord like I've never served him before Hallelujah. 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 You see, your gift may not be my gift. My gift may not be your gift. But that does not demean the gift that is on the inside of you. That does not demean the gift that is on the inside of me. You see, there's things locked up on the inside of you that empowers you to do things I cannot do. That's what makes the body of Christ so beautiful because God knows my strengths and he knows my weaknesses. I can't do everything, but when I yoke up with the body of Christ, those things I can't do, we can do together. Each one has received a gift. But what are we to do with these gifts? What are we to do with these talents? What are we to do with these anointings, these callings, these assignments? He went on, he said, you are to minister to who? To one another. To one another. You say, well, I don't like that person. <laughs> you mean God's calling me to minister? Let me go ahead and help you out. The one you despise, that's your assignment. You didn't hear what I said. I said the one that rubs you the wrong, wrong way, that's the one I believe God's calling you to for such a time as this. You say, how can I do that? I just want to get even. I just want to slap them in the face. Let me tell you what, you ain't been liked by everybody either. It doesn't matter who you like. How many remembers the story of Jonas? Jonah, he was a great prophet that God's told him. He said, I'm calling you to Nineveh. Can I tell you Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the very enemies of God. Jonah was full of prejudicism and racism. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. But can I tell you, God has a way to get your attention. He knows your digits. He knows how to ring your bell. And let me tell you, even if he has to send a great fish from the bottom of the ocean to swallow you up, you're going to do what he's called you to do. You're going to be what he's called you to be. You can only run for so long. Oh my God. So you called to take that gift and to minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Everything we do, every call that we have, Every anointing that's on the inside of us. It's not to build your name. It's not to build your clientele. It's not to build your ministry. It's to build the kingdom of God. It's not for your glorification. It's for the glory of the Father. Is that not what it's saying? You see, back to our, our text in Matthew 25. The one servant, the third and the final servant, didn't use his gift, his talents. Why? We find out why in verses 24 and 25 of Matthew chapter 25. 
It was because of his own fear. See, fear is a killer. Fear will rob you of walking in your full potential. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will corrode your destiny. And see, there's so many people that have not taken that initial step of faith, just as Peter did when he had to step outside of the boat. Remember that story? They're afraid to take that first initial step of faith, of radical faith, of bold faith, of radical obedience. Well, I just don't know if it's the time. I just don't know if I have the education. I, I just don't know, you know, if I have the approval of this one or the approval of that. I just don't know if my finances are in order. Let me tell you, if I had to wait on all of that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Huh? I said, if I had to wait on all of that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Let me tell you, God's looking for some people that are step outside of the boat. All you need is one word from the Lord. All Peter needed when he stepped outside of the boat is for Jesus to give one word. What is that word that he gave Peter? He said, come, come. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying to somebody today, it's time for you to come. It's time for you to step up. It's time for you to square your shoulders back. Hold your head high. You're not who people labeled you. You're not who your past says you are. But you are the redeemed of the Lord. You are the anointed of God. And you are created for good works. Come. Step out. Step up. You see, he buried that gift. He buried that talent because of his own fear. And because of his false belief system as to who his master was. Huh? How do I know that? Look at verses 24 and 25. It says, Then he, speaking of that third servant, who had received the one talents, came and said, Lord, master, I knew you to be a hard man. You was a hard taskmaster. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And look at this. He said, I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent, your gift in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. He was afraid to step out. He was afraid that he would lose the one talent. He had a false belief system as to who his master was. You see, the reason why a lot of you have yet to step out and to be who God has called you to be in this hour is because you, you have formed God in your own image. You have formed God by what your grandmother or your grandfather said that your God was. By what the corrupt religious system said that what your God was. Can I help somebody today? God's not mad at you. God has not given up on you. God has not abandoned you. You say, well, pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but God knows what you've done, and he still loves you, and he's still got a calling on your life. He's still got a purpose on your life. He's just waiting on you, just like the prodigal son, to come back so he can recharge it and reactivate it. But because he had a false belief system, because he was ate up in fear, he took the talent and he sat on it. He put it in a hole. Can I tell you, the master was very displeased. He was very displeased. Matter of fact, the Bible says to be cast, to be cast to where there's gnashing of teeth, to be cast out into outer darkness. Let me tell you, I don't want to be there. On that day, when I stand before my creator, my Lord, my God, my master, and he holds me accountable as to what I did with the talent, with the gift, with the anointing that he gave me. And I didn't do nothing. I wasted my time on this earth sitting on the anointing, sitting on the talent, sitting on the gifting, sitting on the calling. Can I tell you, that's where a lot of the church world is in North America today. We're sitting on it. And he said, depart from me. And he cast him into outer darkness because he wasted the talents. But what did he say to the first two servants? Notice what the master said. 
A phrase that every one of us ought to want to hear when we stand before our creator on that great and notable day. He looked at those first two servants and he said this, well done. Well done, my good and my faithful servants. Notice the first part of that statement. He told those two servants, he said, well done. How many likes your steak that way? Well done. (laughs) He said, well done. You see, that term done, D-O-N-E, implies that they did something. The first two servants did something with the talents, with the giftings that their master gave them. The third servant didn't do anything with it. He sat on it. So when he told the first two servants, well done, it's implying that they did something with the gift. They did something with the talents. Can I tell you that your faith is more than just a belief system? Did you hear what I said? I said your faith. Every one of us have been given a measure of faith. Does that know what the Bible says? Your faith is more than what you believe in. It's more than your belief system. But your faith ought to be an active faith. Your faith ought to cause you to get up and to do something for the kingdom of God. Huh? Done implies that you did something. In other words, that you have become a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. How many knows that's Bible? See, we got a lot of hearers. They're hearing the word. They're hearing the prophecy. They're hearing what thus saith the Lord. But what are you doing with it? Well done implies that they not only heard the word of their master, but they did something with what they heard, what they were given to. And not only did they do something, but they did it well. That's why he said, well done. They did something with the talent. They did something with the gift. And they did it well. In other words, they did it with excellence. For those of you who were here Wednesday night, you heard that term excellence over and over and over. And can I tell you, it's our heart's desire as the set free church that from the time you pull up on our premises, that everything you witness, everything you hear, everything you experience, that you will see the spirit of excellence upon it. Why? To say, look at us? To say, look at what we can do? No, to say, look at what our excellent God has done and what he's doing and what he's gonna do that's why he could say well done because they not only did something with it but they did it with excellence what are you doing with your gift what are you doing with your calling what are you doing with your talent with your anointing are you doing something with it and not only are you doing something with it but are you doing with a spirit of excellence Boy, it got quiet in here today. Can I tell you what excellence does not look like? Let me go ahead and meddle a little bit. Excellence does not look like you showing up 10 minutes late. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You say, well, Pastor, that's not fair. You don't know what happened to me. No, I don't know what happened to you that caused you to be late today. But let me tell you, when that becomes the norm and that becomes a habit, that's not excellence. Can I help you today? If you want to hear the Lord say, well done, you better start operating in excellence as unto the Lord. You ain't doing it for me. You're not doing it for Pastor Steve. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Whatever it is that he's put in your hands to do, we ought to do it with a spirit of excellence because we're doing it unto him. Notice he went on in that statement. Not only did he say well done, but he went on describing the attributes of the servant. He labeled him. He ascribed this particular attribute of good. You're a good servant. What did he mean when he used that term good? Meaning that your character is the very essence of good. In other words, that you have pure intents and that you have pure motive. Can I tell you 
that the intent and the motive of why you do what you do is very important. Huh? There's a lot of people they're serving. There's a lot of people they're giving of their time, their resources, their energy. But what is your intent? What is your motive? You might can hide your intent and your motive from the pastor. You might can hide it from your brother. You might can hide it from your sister. But how many knows God said, I know the heart of man. He said, I see beyond the outward appearance and I look into the inner recesses of the heart. When he said, you are a good servant, he said, your very character is the very essence of goodness. Your intent and your motive is good in other words I'm not doing what I do to climb some political ladder oh my god in other words I'm not doing what I do so I can hold some influential position of power so I can try to tell the pastor what he's going to do and how he's going to do it or if not I'm going to pull out all of my tithes and my offerings and I'm going to run down the road and give it to some other church well honey you go ahead and do that because we don't need that kind of stinking attitude anyways you're not going to manipulate the man and the woman of God my God my God my God if looks could kill, I'd been dead a long time ago. That's what he meant when he said, good servant. Your intent and your motive is pure. You serving the Lord and you serving him only. You doing everything with a spirit of excellence as unto him. But notice he didn't stop there. He also identified this servant not only as a good servant. Hold on now. I'm about to land it. But as a faithful servant is that not what he said he said well done good good motive good intent and faithful servant are you faithful Shh, my god I could hear a pin drop in this house I said are you faithful can I tell you what faithfulness will do in the life of the son and the daughter of God? Faithfulness will give you favor that nothing else will. Faith will open doors that nothing else will. Faith, faithfulness will take you to places that your educational level could never take you to. That's what faithfulness does. Faithfulness will bring promotion and elevation to your life. You say, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. But one thing you can do is be faithful as unto the Lord. And I promise you I'm a living testimony. When you're faithful unto the Lord, God will open up doors that your education can never open up. God will open up doors that your bank account can never open up. God will put you on platforms that you could have never got to within your own ability or your own intellect. That's what faithfulness does. Bring elevation and promotion in your life. Listen to this. You say, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a man or woman of faith. Well, let me help you with that. If your faith isn't faithful, it's fake. Did you hear what I said? You can tell me how much mountain-moving faith you have all day long, but if your faith isn't faithful, it's a counterfeit. It's a fake. Huh? You say, well, that's hard, Pastor. That's hard. I just can't do this and I can't do that. Don't you know I'm busy? Don't you know my children are in sports? My grandchildren are in sports. Don't you know I, I got this? I'm working two and three jobs. Let me tell you, I'm not trying to beat you up. But what I'm telling you, it's time you to get your priorities in alignment. Because what are you showing your children? What are you showing your grandchildren? That sports takes the place of the kingdom of God? Oh, my God. See, I done messed with some of y'all's idols already. This probably my last Sunday. I can see it now. I love you, and that's why I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you love me, you'll tell me the truth. Can I tell you it's time that our faith becomes faithful? It's time that we stop our missing in action. Every time I look at you, I got to get our poor little Miss Carolyn Sutherland. Or who's our office volunteer on Tuesday? Well, write this when I miss you, Carl. Send this when I miss you, email. Send this when I miss you, text. I'm not talking about people that are sick, weak, and anemic that can't come. I'm talking about well, able-bodied people who ought to have their tail in the house of God serving the Lord. 
said, well done, good and faithful servant. You ever notice that some of the loudest complainers in the church <laughs> some of the loudest complainers and naysayers and skeptics in the church are oftentimes the one who are least faithful. Are oftentimes the one who give the least. Are oftentimes the one who never serves. But as soon as you say something or do something that they don't like, they're going to blow up your phone, blow up your email, blow up your text. They're going to start gossiping to their neighbor, to other people on the other side of the church, saying, well, I just don't like the way pastor said this. I just don't like the way this ministry is operating. I just don't like the fog machines and the lights. Who asked you what you liked? This ain't no committee. This ain't no democracy. It's a theocracy. And we're all accountable to the maker of the heavens and the earth. Why don't you show up on time and be faithful and give of yourself and give of your resources and serve the Lord with gladness and maybe your opinion will be valid. My God, my God. I'm trying to shut up. I'm trying to land this thing. He said, well done, good and faithful servants. Notice, on that day, on that day when you stand before your Lord and your maker, your master, your title that you had on this earth will mean absolutely nothing. People call me pastor. People called me evangelist, revivalist, missionary. And although I'm humbled by those titles, and I receive those titles, and I walk by those titles only by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, can I tell you on that day, those titles will mean nothing. He's not going to say, well done, good and faithful apostle or prophet or pastor or teacher or evangelist. You see, on that day, none of that matters. We're all on level ground. We're all identified as servants of the Most High God. Let me tell you, that's all I want to be. I don't care about anything else. I just want to be found good and faithful servant of the Lord. So I ask you this question today. Do you want a title? See, a lot of people want the title. They want the microphone. They want the spotlight. Do you want the title? Or are you ready to pick up a towel and wash somebody's feet just like Jesus did? What would you do if you knew this was your last day on this earth? What would you do? You'd live it up? Come on. You'd go to the honky-tonk. You'd go to the club. You'd Come on. You'd live it up. You try to knock off your top three on your bucket list. What would you do? Let me tell you what Jesus did. When he knew this was his last night on the earth, he got down on his hands and his feet and his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples as a servant of the Lord. What will you do? Notice he said servants. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, let this mind, this attitude... Be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's my Jesus who is deity, who is the Son of God. But yet, he didn't count any of that as anything. He humbled himself as a servant. Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says this, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servants. You want to be great in the kingdom? Humble yourself. Become a servant of the Lord. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, today... If serving is beneath you, then this platform is above you. Did you hear what I said? If you can't pick up a towel and serve the Lord by serving one another, 
and humility and meekness, then you're not ready to be elevated or promoted in his kingdom. You see, we don't serve out of duty. We serve out of our devotion and our love. You want to know why a lot of you are burned out? A lot of you are ready to throw in the towel over everything that you do or say you do in the kingdom? Could it not be because you've been trying to do it for man? You've been trying to do it for the pastor. Let me tell you. Let me help you out. Everything you do, you do as unto him. You do it out of your devotion, out of your love for your master and your maker. See, when we find ourselves serving out of duty, we get frustrated. See, that's where a lot of us are at today. We're frustrated. Well, I don't know why my volunteer team don't grow. I don't know why this don't happen. I don't know why I don't get this and I don't do that. Let me tell you. You better check yourself. Who are you doing it for? If you're doing it for the Lord, there's no time for frustration. There's no time for burnout. But when you begin to get sidetracked and distracted and you're trying to do it for man and for the accolades of man, you find yourself frustrated. I close with this. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Stand to your feet all over this place. Jesus said these great words, notable words. He said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, in other words, whoever gives his life away in service to the kingdom for my sake and the gospels will save it. You see, this Christian thing, it's all about servanthood. It's all about serving God by serving one another. And let me tell you, we're not here. I know I've said some things that probably made half of you mad. I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm not here to condemn you, to criticize you. I'm here because I want to see you go to the next level. I want to see you begin to walk in your fullness of your potential and the anointing of God on your life. The same 10% shouldn't be doing all the work in the church and in the kingdom. Every one of us should do our part for the Lord and for his kingdom. And you see, when every one of us do our part, it takes the burden off of the 10% that's doing all of it. This is the day. It's your decision. It's your choice. But if you want to be everything that God's called you to be, if you want to go to that next level, that next place of promotion and elevation for the glory of God in your life, will you consider being a servant of God? Will you consider not just coming in and being fed and being pumped up and being primed and, and feeling the power of God, but will you do something with the power? Will you do something? Because I promise you, if you take care of his business, he's going to take care of your business. Did you hear what I said? I said, if you take care of the king's business, the king will see to it that your business is taken care of. 